0: Hello and welcome to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name is Nicholas Carey, the co-founder and vice chairman of Blockchain.com. Here at Blockchain.com we believe in the potential of blockchain technology to improve the state of the world. While cryptocurrencies can radically transform community access to financial products and services, the core technology of public ledgers can be used to build novel applications underpinned by transparency. In our latest podcast segment, Blockchain for Good, we're unearthing contemporary examples of how blockchain technology is making a real world difference to people, communities, and charities all around the world. We'll learn more about organizations and projects using crypto and blockchain technology to promote social and economic inclusion and sustainability efforts. The United Secretary General recently described the climate crisis as out of control, as extreme weather events such as heat waves, droughts, wildfires, and heavy rainfall are becoming ever more frequent. The demand for climate risk insurance is growing at an unprecedented rate, as climate change significantly threatens the stability of our environment and economy. However, in Africa alone, the majority of the 300 million uh, smallholder farmers are not currently financially protected against crippling risks such as floods and drought. Today, we're joined by Roy Confino, head of strategy and operations at the Lemonade Foundation, who turned to the blockchain to tackle this head-on in an attempt to close the climate insurance gap. So, Roy, we're so grateful to have you here to learn about your work. Um, we have a little question as an icebreaker on the blockchain.com podcast. How did you earn your first buck, dollar, or euro and sort of learn about financial literacy?
1: Yeah. Sorry. So, first of all, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It was actually an Israeli shekel, not a buck, not a euro.
0: New one. Cool. Uh,
1: I had, um, so one summer I had, I think, either three or four jobs. It was the first summer I ever worked. I had, I was flipping burgers at one joint. I I had a paper route in another place. And I had, uh, I delivered laundry in another place. I can't remember which one paid me my first shekel, but that was the first summer that I got paid.
0: Uh, I like that story. It doesn't matter where people come from. They all sort of earn their first buck using things around them, um, you know, and, and starting a career as an entrepreneur, even though they go on and do a, a bunch of other amazing things. So let's talk a little bit about, um, for, you know, from the time you were flipping, bucks, uh, flipping burgers to running a paper route. Um, now you're at the Lemonade Foundation. Talk to us a little bit about your role there and sort of your journey to getting to it. Sure.
1: Uh, so first of all, maybe just a, a quick uh, intro about Lemonade and the Lemonade Foundation might be helpful for the people who are listening. Please. So Lemonade is uh, an insurance company. We have a pretty unique business model. Uh, I won't dive into it too much, but the bottom line is that we try to unbundle or um, kind of like uh, deconflict the problem between consumers and an insurance company, and by taking like a flat fee from our premiums, thus. We don't really have a problem with kind of like, you know, if we pay a claim, then uh, the customer doesn't, um, uh, um, you know, we, we, uh, it comes out of bottom, out of our bottom line. So Lemonade in general, I, I kind of like started with that because Lemonade is a company that really, um, it's important to us to also, we want to be profitable, but it's important to us to also do good, where B Corp, we have uh, a double bottom line. And in that vein, Lemonade, the insurance company, when we IPO'd about three years ago, we also created a nonprofit fund, a nonprofit organization called the Lemonade Foundation. Uh, And I work for Lemonade. I lead business development for Lemonade. And I also, one of my roles is um, working as the head of uh, strategy and ops for the Lemonade Foundation. Now, the Lemonade Foundation, its mission is to use exponential technology to basically help solve real world problems. Um, It took us a while to kind of like think about what the problems we wanted to to solve were. Um, And I think just going back to your question earlier, where where I came from, um, in my history, I, I kind of like, I grew up in Africa and in Israel. And over time, I did a lot of different things. Uh, I worked for the Israeli government. I uh, later had a startup. Eventually, when I got to Lemonade and I got, got a chance to work on this uh, initiative, I think a lot of the things kind of karma or, I don't know, fate or something kind of gel together. Um, because we really, after kind of like thinking about a couple of different opportunities, we really saw that there's an up, a really interesting way to kind of bridge that insurance gap that you were talking about, or the protection gap for subsistence farmers in Africa using this new technology, uh, this blockchain technology. So what we basically did, I'm, <clears throat> if you'd like me to continue yeah,
0: let's dig into that. I mean, talk to us about this problem, and, and why is it so, you know, why are f- small subsistence farmers having trouble getting access to insurance in the first place?
1: So um, as you said, uh, climate, um, climate events or severe climate events are getting worse. I always knew the Industrial Revolution was a really bad idea. Uh, but with all, with all seriousness, um, climate is like there, there is a serious um, increase in, blo- in floods and droughts. And those are specifically primarily kind of focused on the developing world or on the global south. Now, these people, a subsistence farmer basically is a farmer that lives off what they grow. So they can literally starve if there's a, fr- uh, a flood or if there's a drought, they can literally starve. Um, and the best way to protect someone financially from that is insurance. Right? Insurance is a way to pay a, um, you know, a known loss or a known kind of like, uh, some every month in order to protect yourself from something that you don't know if you'll be able to pay when push comes to show. So the question is why is, if the problem is known, if the solution is known, why hasn't the solution scaled up, uh, out through, uh, through Africa and the developing world. And I think the main reason for that is basically cost. So for a traditional insurance company. Providing crop insurance at scale and in the developing world is virtually impossible. Underwriting is very, very expensive. Uh, even if you do have an underwriting model, the way usually uh, insurance is um, distributed is through agents. And when you have <clears throat> when you have premiums that are so low, so like a, a premium for a specific farmer in a specific season in Kenya can be you know, five dollars, right? So if you have premiums that are so low, you it's very hard to incentivize agents to basically distribute that. And even if you did have underwriting and, and distribution through agents, paying the claims is virtually impossible because a claim can cost, you know, seventy dollars, and just processing the claim might be more it, might be more expensive than seventy dollars. So you kind of like in a situation where the cost don't make sense. It's not economically viable for a traditional insurance company. Now, when you look at blockchain, suddenly things change quite dramatically. Because if there's a way to automate everything, if there's a way to parametrically get data from uh, the real world inserted through an Oracle onto the blockchain, if there's a way to trigger money, that's already locked in a smart contract automatically. We can not only do things cheaper, but we can solve another problem that's very hard for insurance companies to do, and that's pay faster. Right. Uh, Timely. Exactly. That's also a problem because if you think about a, a subsistence farmer, if you had a drought and you know you grew nothing, right? So for example, in Kenya, there are two seasons. There's a, the short rain season and the long rain season. They're about six months apart. So let's say the the short rain season starts October ends January. Let's say you had a drought. You grew nothing in January. You don't have the financial capability to wait 6 months yeah, until the next Yeah, until the next season, you might literally starve. So traditional insurance because of the way because of the middleman, because of the way it's structured you know, you have a distributor. Then you have usually a local insurance company, and then a regional insurance company, and then a global insurance company. <laughs> but by, by the time you you know you send an email to this company and they send an email to that company, it can take traditionally it takes six to twenty four months to get paid out.
0: Right. So I think anyone, of- even if they're uh, ever anyone who's ever actually tried to redeem a claim, I'm sure uh, would would attest to the aggravation, uh, even in a sophisticated as a as a you know customer. Um, it is extremely annoying. Exactly.
1: Um, so so in this case, it's not only, I'm sure, annoying and feels like a scam, but it's really impossible for them, right? Right. Do they... It does matter. Exactly. So what we're able to do using kind of the, the blockchain technology and oracles and smart contracts that trigger claims automatically, we can pay uh, claims a week or two weeks after the season ended. So for example... We launched this project and we can talk a bit more in detail about how this project uh, came to life. But we launched this project, the first uh, insurance, it's not really insurance, it's financial protection. We can talk about that as well. But the first product was launched in October. The first policy was bought in October. The season ends in January. In mid-February, two weeks after the season ended, we had already paid out claims to thousands of farmers, which was... Very, very substantial to them. I can tell you, we we had the opportunity to travel to Kenya to kind of like witness the first cycle of payments. We met a lot of these farmers. By the way, they're predominantly women, at least in, in Kenya. Most of the subsistence farmers are women. So we we saw this group of, of women who had really been struck by a severe drought. We went to a place in southern Kenya called Taita Taveta. That's the county um really a severe drought, one of the worst in, in recent uh, memory and you know we, talk, we, we they got paid they got the money directly into their cellular phone right because basically you buy the insurance from your phone you get paid directly to your phone when they got the money to they to their phone they said, you know tonight I'm gonna have a full belly because that really is the impact of what we were able to
0: that's an incredible story, and to deliver that food security, um, you know, to those in need in a timely manner uh, is extremely impressive. Um, talk to us for our listeners that don't yet know much about smart contracts in terms like an oracle. Maybe um, you know, in layman's terms, describe sort of the end-to-end process of what happens when um, a subsistence farmer in rural Kenya makes a claim, and then what happens, kind of on the technological back backend, uh, delivering ultimately the funds to their phone.
1: Sure. So first of all, the beauty of it is that the subsistence farmer doesn't need to make a claim. The claims are automatically paid. I'll explain how it how it starts out and how it ends. Um, so it starts by a person in, in East Africa. Most uh, even subsistence farmers have feature phones, so they don't usually have smartphones, but they have feature phones. And there's a very common... Um, digital wallet or e-wallet. It's called M-Pesa. Uh, it's, um, I don't know, similar to maybe Alipay in China or something like that. It's it's basically something that can live on your um, your feature phone. And you buy the insurance. It's a text-based uh, e- user interface. You buy the insurance directly from your phone in the same way that you would interact with M-Pesa. So it's very kind of like contextualized within what the farmers already know what they what they're familiar with
0: right so not changing how they use the tools that they're already relying on every day
1: exactly so you buy it through this uh uh user interface <clears throat> then on the back end and this is also important we do use blockchain but from our perspective in this case blockchain is very similar to AWS Amazon web services it's a it's infrastructure it doesn't matter from our perspective. The customer or the farmer doesn't need to know that it's blockchain. If they, you know, if if I if I as a user uh, need to know if i um, you know, my company Lemonade uses uh, Amazon Web Services, doesn't matter from to me as a customer if I use, Azure, you know, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud, or Amazon Web Services. Not really. It's That's an where,
0: enabling technology in the background. Well, Course. exactly yeah.
1: that's how we think about blockchain in this case as well we don't need the farmer to know that this is based on blockchain so they use their uh, they they use uh, they buy the insurance in local currency and uh, Kenyan shillings that um, is that then goes it transfers through a um, a payment gateway it is uh, exchanged into a stable coin into USDC. Uh, which is a, a a cryptographic coin that is pegged to the dollar one-to-one. And that money is then put in a smart contract. And that smart contract, you can think about it like a piece of code that is actually a very similar to an insurance policy. It's basically a piece of code that says, if there's a, um, a drought or a flood, pay out this farmer that uh, paid the premium.
0: Right. So it has these conditions that are sort of waiting to get get exercised.
1: Exactly. And then the season starts, the season ends. We collect data. I'll explain in a minute how we collect that data. Once that data is collected, we basically inject it into the smart contract through what's known as an Oracle. It's basically an API to the blockchain. It's a way to uh, securely and trustworthily transfer information from the real world onto the blockchain <clears throat> we transfer that data through uh through chainlink onto the uh, into the smart contract and if there was indeed a drought like there was a couple of months back it basically automatically triggers the um, the smart contract the farmer doesn't need to make a claim even if they didn't make a claim they'll get the money automatically and then it goes the money goes back in the same route that it came in through so Back exchanged two Kenyan shillings and then deposited into their uh, feature phone, their same e-wallet M-Pesa account. And that's basically that whole thing. The the process from the minute the season ends, the data, um, you know, the going the the data through the block through the uh, Oracle, and then the money to the farmer takes a week or two weeks.
0: Yeah, and if you think about uh, that process in comparison to trying to get a claim on a stolen bicycle or a home fire or something dramatic like a car accident, um, you start to see that uh, amazingly, these rural farmers are actually experiencing a far higher degree of competency from uh, a smart contract. And uh, these oracles, which use real world signals to trigger a contract and then ultimately uh, reconcile and settle funds directly to their phones is such a cool example of how the technology in the background is facilitating um, you know, these exponential outcomes in places that would have been impossible to deliver this type of service uh, in the past. Thank you so much for sharing this. If it's interesting, we can go into why we selected Avalanche in the end. I think that'd be great to hear a little bit about that since there are many different blockchains out there and um, you know, sort of competing solutions.
1: And we love them all. <laughs> uh, so the reason we selected Avalanche was two things. Uh, And those two things are kind of connected. One is, and I know there's a lot of discussion in this area. I'm not an expert, but um, Avalanche is uh, not a proof of work um, chain. It's a proof of stake chain, which means that from a uh, carbon footprint or from a kind of like climate footprint, it has much every transaction is much less uh kind of like carbon intensive. Yeah, energy consumptive. Exactly. And for from our perspective, in a in a project that is focused on helping protect people from uh you know the vicissitudes
0: of climate change, we that was an important piece. Yeah, it made sense to align with the project that is much more conscious on energy consumption. That makes exactly. sense.
1: Uh, and it also and, it, and it's also connected to the fact that because of the way it's structured, the transactions are much cheaper uh, than, for example, on uh, Ethereum. This was b- by the way before the merge, so I'm not uh, sure percent uh, sure how how much uh, Ethereum um, transactions cost today. But then about a year ago,
0: when we did this. Um, This is a nickel and dime business, as I mentioned, right? Yeah. You need those. You need to get absolute best deal on every aspect of the the
1: transaction. Exactly. You can't pay, you know, $10 of gas on a transaction of $10. Makes sense.
0: So let's talk a little bit about um, the sort of uh, challenges you've had so far and uh, maybe give us a little bit of view into what the future is going to look like. What are you guys working on next?
1: Sure. So fortunately we have had no challenges. Everything has been smooth sailing. It's been um no, just kidding. It's very, very difficult and hard. Um I guess it would if it was easy, if it were easy, everyone would do it.
0: Yeah. Lloyds uh, of London would be there. <laughs> exactly. Um
1: so yeah, I think there have been challenges. First of all, we we're very fortunate to have very, very strong partners in Avalanche, in Chainlink, Pula. Etherisk, a few others, which have helped us along the way, but we've had a number of challenges. I would say distribution to, uh, to farmers and speaking to farmers is definitely one of them that's right up there. Another one that I would, by the way, if there's anyone listening here, one another uh, major challenge is when we try to scale this. So we, we put together uh, a really interesting MVP, a proof of concept, we showed that this can protect 50,000 farmers or 50,000 people in Kenya, which is, you know, seven, seven, eight thousand farmers. Now we want to scale it. Scaling it requires more money. So if there's anyone here that is interested in this kind of thing and would like to, you know, partner with us on this, if, if you allow me to plug this project. please
0: Let us know where people can go to learn more and also support this important work. Sure, yeah. so
1: uh, please go to lemonade uh, .org, which is the lemonade um, Foundation website, and you know drop us a line. we'd love to love to work with you. Um, so scaling is definitely a challenge that i can I can tell you about. Um, one more thing that I would say is that um, the entire, and this is probably evident to people in the blockchain space, the entire almost world order is not kind of like geared towards working with blockchain. So opening bank accounts, working with financial institutions, talking to regulators, all those things, talking to lawyers, all those things are, in the end, we were able to kind of like bridge those gaps, but it's always a more complicated and difficult conversation. Um, and to your question, what we want to do next. So there are um, a billion farmers, subsistence farmers in the world. Um, we want to provide protection to all of them. We want to ensure all of them. Uh, that's probably not a Q3 uh, OKR. <laughs> yeah, it might might take a bit longer. But uh that's where we feel we want to be. So we we feel that we've shown that this product works faster and is cheaper than existing uh, kind of like solutions. Uh, we think it brings a lot of value to farmers and together with our partners and together with others, uh, we are super interested in trying to make this thing really a global solution that as many farmers as possible can benefit from from its protection
0: i can see the the scale of the ambition to use the exponential technology and to solve one of the biggest challenges in the world today um i was reading just this week you know four of the hottest days ever recorded on earth happened in the last uh, few weeks and so um you know the pressingness and the timeliness of uh, addressing these issues with kind of novel technologies in ways that were impossible just a few years ago is more important than ever um we really applied all the incredible work that you and the team um, are doing over at the Lemonade Foundation. Uh, so our listeners, anyone out there who wants to dig a little bit deeper into this, visit Lemonade.org, please. You can follow them on Twitter and then their social media profiles as well. Um, Roy, thank you so much for teaching us about uh, all the things you guys are working on and uh, also these kind of um, super interesting use cases of technology that can live in the background but really ultimately help save lives, um, provide uh, you know uh, assurances to those in need. And um, yeah, we're, we're gonna be watching your project with keen interest. So thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: And uh, I hope um, we to chat again sometime soon when we scale. Yeah, some- we'll,
0: we'll check in on that Q3 OKR and see just <laughs> see how far you guys got. <laughs> Thank you very much.